just to give you a heads up, one of us is bound to say something not suitable for little ears. It is, after all, the one hour a day I spend away from my children. Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, May 20th, the silent treatment edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's nine, Oliver, who recently turned seven, and Teddy, who's four. And we are finally in Colorado Springs, although not in our house. I'm borrowing a friend's house for today, but hopefully soon we will be settled into our own home. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Karen Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is eight and in charge, and we are in Los Angeles, California. My name is Emily Flake. I'm a cartoonist and writer. My daughter's name is Augustine. She is eight going on 30, and we are in Brooklyn, New York. Emily, we're so excited that you joined us today. Thanks for um, spending some time giving some parenting advice. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. And welcome back, Elizabeth. We missed you. Oh, thank you. I missed you so much. You're my, you have been my, my constant. So I am uh, so glad to see both of your smiling faces today and hear your wonderful voices. Well, we have some fun questions to answer today. We have a question about a dad whose temperament matches one of a moody teen to the point where he is completely unengaged in his own teen's life. Then we're advising a mom who really needs some space from her kid who will not play independently during quiet time. And on Slate Plus, we're pulling out our parental crystal balls to predict the funny or perhaps a bit terrifying things that our kids will be up to in five years' time. But first, we have triumphs and fails. Jamila, why don't you lead us off? Okay, so my mother said to me, um, so could you go grab us lunch? And I was like, okay. And I go get lunch for my mother and Naima, who are now my bosses and who run me. My mother's visiting for a month. So getting them lunch is basically what I do. Um, For many years, uh, one of the most frustrating parts of the Starbucks experience was having your name misspelled on your cup. You go to Starbucks and your name is Emily and it's spelled Sarah. So with my name being Jamila, Jamila Lemieux, I am used to having my name is spelled in many different ways. And I'm also used to having it mispronounced. Once mobile ordering became the way that uh, I was consuming basically 100% of my Starbucks orders, at least I could rely on my name being spelled correctly, even if the pronunciation was just going to be butchered. And it reminds me of the time in sixth grade that a teacher tried to embarrass me and called me Jemima while he was reading uh, the role. Right. Like he was just doing these kind of comical takes on people's names. He was really mean. He also hit us. That's terrible. Yeah. You know, and like. Well, I mean, the hitting is also terrible, yeah. but the name thing is particularly so mean. Terrible. And like it was a black school, so it wasn't like and it was a black teacher. So it wasn't like that could have been a way more traumatic childhood <laughs> <Yeah>. story. <laughs> I perhaps I should have contextualized this. You know, he he was he was quite a character. But anyway, so hearing Jamila just. Ugh. So I decided to change my name in the Starbucks app to J J A Y so that I could always have it pronounced correctly, which is. It is, except for I have been going to Starbucks and standing around waiting for Jamila's order. And that is why I was late to the show today, because I would have been back on time, but I was waiting for Jamila's order. And this is like the third time in a week. 
that this is happening. <laughs> so that is my fail. You you fix the system, but you failed to adapt, failed to, adapt. to the fix. And what's <laughs> worse, I have had the same issue with Uber and Postmates. <laughs> <laughs> Like each time, I can't remember which version of my name I've used, but here we are. I can't even spin this into a win, not remembering your fake name. (laughs) It's a good one. All right, Emily, triumph or fail for us? Um, So I have a triumph that I suppose if you look at it um, from another perspective could also be a fail. It's our favorite kind. (laughs) So um, just to set this up minimally, I had gotten a jar of um, Dulce de Leche uh, because I was making a chasleches cake. um, And I am also a pig. So I will just sit there and like eat Dulce de Leche with a spoon because it's delicious. I had put it away and I got a text from my daughter. Um, She doesn't have her own phone, but she has an iPad that she does schoolwork on. So she figured out texting and now it never stops. So I get this text from her. That says, Mama, I am so, 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 so sorry. But before I had my dulce de leche, I also had a chocolate bar. But the bar also had oats and nuts. I am sorry. I just needed a taste of that sweet, sweet dulce de leche. <laughs> and then she went into, on to say, also, I'm a dirty bird. Crying emoji, <laughs> crying emoji, crying emoji. <laughs> so there's a lot to unpack here. But mainly, I, I count it as a win because she did something slightly naughty, but then told on herself like immediately. And she misspelled Dulce de Leche in two hilarious <laughs> ways, but that's, you know, she's eight. Um, but I also count it as a win because we've managed to plug Dirty Bird into her head as like our house insult. Like, you, oh, you dirty bird. So <laughs> she knows how to use Dirty Bird and she knows that she is a dirty bird. So, yeah, I'm counting it as a win, but you could also argue that it's abusive. We love to count things that our um, children do that we're proud of as Absolutely. wins. So I say yeah. wear, wear that badge with pride. Where would she be without Excellent. you? Well, she'd be a clean bird, not a dirty yeah. bird. <laughs> but not enjoying the dulce de leche. I mean... She would not be a bird. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this is why we claim all their wins. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Well, I um, have a fail for us this week. So we finished our (laughs) our big road trip and just had the most epic like reintegration into society post pandemic fail. The first night we got into Colorado Springs, friends from when we lived here before invited us over for dinner because we were getting in kind of late and we're um, currently living in what the military calls TLF, which is your temporary lodging facility. And it's as homey as it sounds. <laughs> so they invited us over, like the kids, you know, toys to play with and a, uh, like a home cooked meal. After being on the road, we took 15 days to drive here, did a bunch of really cool stuff. So we get here. And first of all, I cannot get Teddy into the house. He has spent the entire road trip every time the door is open asking, are we in Colorado Springs? We're like, no. And then he just like cries and says, I don't want to go here. I want to be in Colorado Springs. It's like, okay. So the doors open here to the van and we're like, we're in Colorado Springs. And he's like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to live here. I like drag him into this friend's house that we haven't seen in many years. And he's just kicking and screaming. He doesn't want to be here. The friend is just laughing it off because she's the absolute best. And he keeps like trying to escape out of the house. We like accidentally let their cat out while we're doing this. Okay. Meanwhile, the other two kids are playing great with their, um, the family we're with has kids that are exactly the same age as as our children. They're playing so well. Um, There's a trampoline out back. They're jumping, like so fun. 
And then about the time that dinner is served, I'm not sure what happens, but Oliver comes like screaming in to where the parents are sitting. And he's like, he hit me and no one in this family apologizes. And we're like, what? He's like, not even the parents. (laughs) We're like, oh my gosh. Um, And guys, honestly, I'm recording at this friend's house right now. Like they are such good friends of ours. And um, he goes, I'm never coming back to this house. This is a no apology family. (laughs) Goes out to the van. And I'm just like, do not know. (laughs) what. Like, There's no amount of wine that makes this better. (laughs) There's no amount of, I'm just like, we haven't been around people in a long time. (laughs) So I have no idea what happened. The next day we're actually (laughs) with these same for the same family again everything was fine the next day i don't know if it was just like too many people after a too long road trip like we've only been with our family and now we're with all these other people but it was like the most disastrous crash landing back into <laughs> back into society but you know good friends cuz i'm i'm here now <laughs> i feel that like we have like a couple months of grace period where we're all just going to be complete wrecks right where we're just like have completely forgotten how to deal with other human beings at all. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. My social skills are just coming back. I like was hanging out with a friend that I've known for years on my first kind of like out of town moment. And I had to ask him if we could play an icebreaker game. (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe that's what I should have done here. Maybe I, what we needed was a nice breaker. Yeah, because I needed time to, you know, adjust. Conversation cards. Yes. Nickelodeon's got your preschoolers covered from sunrise to bedtime with four brand new podcasts. Grab their backpack and go on a culinary quest with Dora's Recipe for Adventure. Make game time great time with Let's Guess Who with Josh and Blue. And tuck in for adventure with Nickelodeon's Goodnight Bedtime Stories. Plus, we've got a brand new season of Storytime with Josh and Blue. Search Nickelodeon on your favorite podcast app to listen. Well, um, let's get on to our first listener question. It's being read, as always, by the wonderful Shasha Leonard. Hi, Mom and Dad. My husband and I have three kids, age 20, 17, and 13. I have always been the primary parent and my top goal in life is to have a close relationship with them. I think I'm on the right track. They all talk to me about everything. They say I love you to me, and I feel close to each of them. My husband, on the other hand, places work as his first priority. Typical teen attitudes flare his temper, resulting in him giving the silent treatment to whoever angered him. Plus, he doesn't engage in the day-to-day stuff like carpooling or making lunches, so he's out of touch with our kids' lives. I have decided that there isn't anything I can or want to do to force these relationships. I do not intervene in any way to make things better between my husband and my kids. I have suggested that he go to counseling a few times to get some coaching if he wants to make his relationships with the kids better. The thing is, I think he sees that I have a good relationship with the kids and wonders why he doesn't. But he's not willing to change. Is there something I can do, or is this out of my control? Thank you. Functionally single mom. All right, Emily, lay it on them. I think that if there was ever, like, 
a more concise illustration of the adage, you are not punished for your sins, but by them, like, this is it. I admire her restraint in terms of being like, she doesn't want to force these relationships. She doesn't want to intervene. She's like, it seems to me that she's like, he is an adult. I'm not going to like give him a play by play of how to interact with his own children. And especially since, you know, her kids are pretty grown, but it just seems like so glaring that he, he understands that his kids don't engage with him in the way that they engage with her, but doesn't tie that to his own behavior. I feel like that's like a huge, like relationship problem. You know, I don't know if he was like a, an engaged father before and he's just like scared of teenagers, which fair mm. teenagers are terrifying. So I, I get that. But, but yeah, I don't even know if I really have any good advice for her, um, except I feel like maybe if maybe she needs to take one step into intervention in terms of just pointing out like, you know, not to be accusatory, but they're reacting to how you are with them, hmm. which doesn't feel like intervening. That just feels like sometimes people need to have things pointed out to them. I think he definitely needs to hear that, you know, that your relationship with your children is a result of how you relate to your children, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, this is born of your behavior and your choices. And, you know, if you did what you thought was best up until this point, if you want there to be a different outcome, you're going to have to do something different, you know? Um, but I do think, unfortunately, as so often is the case for moms, that you being the person who is primarily responsible for the well-being of these children outside of their material needs should consider what becomes of them not having a better relationship to their father. And so beyond just feeling, you, you know, you're right. He did this. It's not technically your responsibility to fix his mess for him, but it is your responsibility to fix your children's messes for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And right now he is for them a mess. And so whatever you can do, uh, he said that he hasn't been willing to change, but, you know, perhaps there needs to be some sort of, you know, I don't want to say it, but ultimatum, right. Or some sort of stakes involved. What he perhaps requires is some sort of intervention from a professional, somebody who can help him get to understand why he's not choosing to engage with them differently. Because even if he's a workaholic, there's ways that he could have compensated that compensated for that, even if he only wanted a superficial sweet relationship with the kids, right? There are dads that work all the time that then become Disney dad, you know, and, if, and, and it doesn't have to always be a financial thing. It could be that this dad is just always smiling and always mm -hmm. happy and always has energy for them when he's playing with them because he so rarely plays with them, right? But he mm -hmm. hasn't even done that. And so I think he needs to understand for himself why he hasn't tried harder when it comes to his children. And I think that it is your responsibility as both partner to him, but uh, most importantly, as mother to these children to guide him, uh, encourage him into uh, some sort of professional help. Mm -hmm. I also, though, am struck by in the letter, she says, like, I'm okay with this. But then she's like writing us this letter. So I also want to say it's okay to not be okay with this. And I looked at it as like, you are so not okay with this that you are writing in to ask for advice. I think therefore it's also a marriage issue. Yeah, absolutely. So even, 
even if he is not engaged in wanting to have a relationship with the children, your marriage is affected by the fact that he is not engaged with the children. Mm -hmm. And so at the very least, if he won't go to therapy for them, maybe he will go to therapy with you to talk about kind of the balance and the relationship as a family. Mm -hmm. Um, Because to me, if I had a spouse that was acting this way, it would hurt me as the mom who was doing all this. And Jamil, I actually think you bring up an excellent point that I I had kind of noted, like, he's missing this relationship, but the kids are also missing this mm-hmm, relationship. Yes. And I think that needs to be addressed in kind of a family therapy situation. And I think if he won't go, what you can do is you can go. Because as much as he needs coaching, maybe you also need some coaching. I mean, I hate to make this your problem because clearly everything, letter writer, is your problem. But it seems to me that this is something you want changed for your family. And I think that a professional can help you change that. And maybe he will go, if not for the kids, for you, right? Like if you work on your marriage and he understands like I, I'm not sure from the email that they've had a frank conversation about it like mm-hmm. to sit down I and, and I think that's what you were kind of getting at when you said ultimatum like yeah. to say this is unacceptable in this family and we need to fix it not just like hey if you wanted a better relationship like you need to have a better relationship right. mm-hmm. it's the the last line but he is not willing to change like I feel like bodes poorly for for this um, oh yeah and it also, I feel like there's so there's so much more I want to know about what's going on in in this situation. <laughs> so like, much. yeah, because I do think we this like is to definitely... just draw our own conclusions. Though, yeah, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I also because I I agree that this is definitely like a marriage problem, and I would be devastated if my husband was like you know hurting my kids in this in this like you know distant petty way. We're also she's the letter writer. This is her perspective. Like, it really makes me want to know what the father would say, you know, like if if he has a completely different read on this, if he feels like pushed away or left out of the family, you know, like not to give him too much of the benefit of the doubt. But there's just there's so there's so much happening here Yeah, that I think step one is she like goes into counseling to figure out like the best way to sort through what's what's happening here. And if he won't, then that's that's a problem. I mean, there's definitely that feeling like anytime people are closer, the people who are not close feel left out, right? Like we can see that in any relationship. So mm-hmm. I think there is a chance that the unwilling to change feels a little bit like I'm so far behind in the game. What can I do at this point? Like maybe right. you missed out on all this childhood stuff when they were little but I feel like they're because your kids are older there's also this opportunity to now step up and be you know it's like being a parent changes as your kids get older and so Mm -hmm. maybe this is actually a really good time to engage because what they need now is more maybe akin to what you're doing in your job Mm -hmm. than it was when it was like the the nitty-gritty caretaking right like the packing lunches and things like that which of course you can help with but clearly they have not Mm -hmm. um But now it is more like parenting to an older kid, right? It's more like giving advice and being a listening ear and supporting. So something that takes a little bit less energy. So maybe there's an opportunity for them to start doing something together or doing the like 
dad taking in charge of teaching someone to drive. Like there's all these kind of milestones that I think happen when you're older, looking at schools or getting your first, you know, apartment, all of those things that maybe he can, or, and you can encourage him, letter writer, to take an active lead in those things, um, which are maybe more akin to the skill set that he has. I don't know. I'm drawing a whole lot of you know, my own conclusions, but I think there are these opportunities just because you missed out. You didn't miss out on the whole parenting game. There's an opportunity to start investing in little ways and building the relationship. But I think also like it's not going to fix overnight. No, assuming that all of this is on the level, you know, he's going to have a lot of work to do to repair his relationship. I mean, you know, treating your, giving your teenage kids a silent treatment is such a, I don't know, that's such a shitty, petty like thing to, you know, that, that, that's a lot to walk back from, I think. I don't know. I feel, (laughs) is there ever any follow-up? I want to talk to functionally single mom and see how this goes. Yes, functionally single mom. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what your next steps were. Please write us and, and let us know because we, our hearts go out to you. This is a a really difficult situation. Mm -hmm. At least I feel that way. Like I think there is really a way a way forward, but you're the tough times are still to come. Like, I think you're going to have to, to engage with your husband very upfront about what the problem is and, and everyone's going to have to put in, put in some work. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we were able to help other listeners, um, help us help you by sending us an email at mom and dad at slate.com. All right, let's move on to our second listener question. And it's being read once again by the fabulous Shasha Leonard. Dear mom and dad, is it unreasonable for me to expect an almost six-year-old to have an hour or two of quiet time in the afternoons where he plays on his own? He was a late napper, but once he started fighting the naps, we switched to quiet time where he could play independently. He was doing this fine last year, but now it's become an issue. He's only in preschool two mornings a week and the rest of the time home with me. He's active, social, never stops talking and asking questions. I'm an introvert who needs her space. Beyond that, I do freelance, so sometimes quiet time is needed to accomplish my work. So I really, really need a nap or quiet period. And now I'm dying. When it's nice out, we often go to the park. On the days we're home, I'm all but begging him to play on his own for a bit. But he keeps interrupting or yelling nonstop questions to me from the playroom, or he's in the kitchen constantly looking for snacks, or he tries to get his hands on some sort of screen, which is the only thing that keeps him occupied alone. He gets screen time in the mornings or while I cook dinner. He has a playroom stuffed with toys. I can't remember the last time he independently picked up a book, drew, colored, built Legos, anything, if I'm not right next to him. I'm tired and the total lack of time to myself until evening is making me irritable and short-fused. I have an 11-year-old who has always been supremely independent, so this is all new to me. I can so relate. (laughs) Welcome to my life for the past eight years. I have a child who has a room full of every imaginable thing to do, like you said, coloring, toys, all that stuff. But when I am not giving her my attention, which is typically her preferred mode of entertainment, she wants to scream. You know, she loves playing Barbies with me when I'm like, hey, play Barbies. Why not? You know, and it's like, I don't want to do that. I want to be on the screen. 
so you're kind of stuck because the only thing that works is something that you don't want to over rely on. But you know that if you pulled out that screen, it would work. I would recommend one, if you haven't already, you have to talk to your child about the nature of your work and what it means that you're working from home. It's important that he understands that. Like my daughter and I have had a lot of conversations about what it is that I do for a living, how important it is that I get it done. Um, what it means to be a freelancer, which is essentially what I am. If I don't create, if I don't produce, you know, I am not paid. If I'm not paid, all of these things around you, um, I paid for them, right? And so your your child needs to understand that. Um, and not just the uh, financial aspect of it, but just that this is your time, that you have these things that you have to do. At times, I think it's appropriate to say, these are your options. You can color, you can play with dinosaurs, you can, you know, this game, that game, all of your games are at your disposal, all of your art is at your disposal. We're not doing screens from this time to that time, right? It may be the case other days that instead of doing the screen time during dinner, you're doing the screen time while you're working, right? Maybe when you're cooking dinner is when he has to figure it out with the coloring book. But that time where you are writing or working is more important that you have your all of your attention, right? It may be annoying to have him bothering you while you're cooking dinner, but it's not the same as when you're trying to work. There will be days where you just have to say, fuck it, and... Let him use the tablet. Let him watch the movie. Uh, you have things that have to be done and you need that time to yourself. You know, as you know, not everything that kids are encountering on screens falls under the category of mind numbing entertainment, right? And hopefully at, at his age, the majority of the things that he's taking in have some sort of strong educational aspect or at least are, uh, at the very least, were designed with the development of a kid his age in mind. Um, you know, find those programs, find some, you know, maybe there's a couple of films, maybe there's a couple of shows like Sesame Street that you, you know, feel comfortable turning to when you just can't do it, right? You can't entertain, he won't do anything else, and you need to work. Go to this, you know, to the to abcmouse.com or, you know, whatever other educational uh, space. And I'm sure Elizabeth probably has even more suggestions for them than I did. Uh, and and let that be that and give yourself grace like you have a kid in the house, like working in the house with a kid, even if this is something you were doing before COVID, which I was, it's not natural, normal or easy. It's just a not great situation. And for a lot of us, it's just what it is. But it's it's an incredibly trying, emotionally uh, challenging situation too. I want you to give yourself grace for that. Like it feels very bad to not be able to give your kid the time and energy that they want because you're trying to do something else, whether it's something else that you must do or even something that you're choosing to do. That feeling sucks. But um, I, I think you have to be easier on yourself and girl, give them the tablet, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with Jamila on this. Um, I, I mean, my husband and I both work from home and freelance, and we have definitely had a lot of talks with our daughter. Like, if you don't let us work, rent doesn't get paid, toys don't get bought, et cetera, et cetera. Like, really tried to bring it home, like, the consequences of, <laughs> of us not being able to work. But I will say that as I'm saying this to her, I'm like, this. these are very adult consequences that it might be a little bit too much for her to really understand. Um, and so 
my advice, and what I'm about to say is definitely easier said than done, um, is basically, I think you have to kind of set a hard boundary with him. Just be like, you know, I need one hour. Here is some water. Here is a snack. I am setting a timer. If you interrupt me in this hour, X consequence will happen. And you mean, you could try it in like baby steps, try it for 20 minutes, 40 minutes, et cetera, and get him used to just figuring some stuff out on his own and see how that goes. Again, it's easier said than done. I have noticed that every high minded, you know, like, like I'll just do it this way and it'll be fine. Like during the pandemic is 100% shit the bed. So, um, so yeah. And also, yes, absolutely. Give yourself a break with the screens. Like my daughter moved to Roblox like early in the pandemic and she just lives there now. Like I've seated mm. my entire parenting <laughs> responsibility to the avatars and she's fine. So yeah, I think it is absolutely okay to let um, screens raise your kids a little bit. I don't know. I was raised by a television and I turned out all right. Off the bat, like it is completely okay to use technology and no one at this point should be shaming themselves or feeling bad about that at any point. I am, you know, try hard, especially with our homeschool to be like screen free during times. I absolutely feel no shame handing any of the kids one at any time when I just need to gain control of the situation. So I think like off the bat, my first thing is stop feeling like this is only for dinner time or morning. That being said, I do have some suggestions because when we started homeschooling, this is something that I really struggled with because now all of a sudden I was going to be with the kids all the time. I have other stuff that needs to get done both for work and just for like house life management and also just like Elizabeth time, right? Like there are just things that I have to do during the day for me. Um, In the morning, it's really important to me to do some things before I'm kind of up with the kids. And so figuring out how to get myself that time when they're awake and functional. You have to teach kids to play alone. It is not something that they know at at this point. Like I, I think a lot of us think that kids know how to play alone because when we were raised or when our parents were raised, things were just so much different. Like parents were not as available or in, or involved. And so kids were just alone more. They were taught to be alone because they were alone. <laughs> and now we, you know, don't leave them alone a lot. And so they don't know how to be alone. Um, we started, I think the timer is a great suggestion by setting those boundaries of like, you are going to play alone for five minutes. I think I've recommended this before that before you do that, I think it's important to fill the attention bucket. So setting out in your schedule 10 minutes or so to sit down and play their game with them the way that they want. And here it's really important that you don't take over ownership of the game. Because if you say we're going to play this this way, it's really hard for you to leave the game because you set up the game. If you are the person who just sits down and says, what does this Barbie do next? What does this truck do next? Okay, I'm doing that. You're playing with them and you're feeling the attention bucket, and they're, but they're suggesting all the stuff. And so when you say, I need to go for 10 minutes, I'm going to set this timer. I can't wait to see what happens when I come back. I think that when you do this, you have to come back when that timer goes off or you have broken this, like, like they're learning to trust you that when you say play alone for an hour, that it's only going to be an hour, right? That you are going to come check back in and see how they were doing. So I think it's really important that when 
I know for me, it's hard because it's like I sit down and I get going and I needed more than that 10 minutes. But I know that when that 10 minutes is up, I need to go invest, let's say, three more minutes to get another 10 until you build up to the point at which they're playing on their own. I think the other thing it sounds like you need is a toy rotation. I found that having all the toys available, it's like they're completely overwhelmed and nothing gets played with. So I try to have a like pack a bunch of stuff away um, or where they can't see it. And then I kind of I didn't make up this term, but it's one that I've come to use is like an invitation to play. So I might set up a really cool train track. Um, and say like this is and like leave the trains and maybe have that be what we're playing with so that it's up and ready to be played with sometimes I do that at night sometimes I do that we have quiet reading time every day that again the kids have have come to learn to do and we have learned to do the quiet reading time because I pick out some reading that I need to do either for work or for just um, on my own and I sit down with them in the room with a book and when they ask me a question I say this is quiet reading time. You're welcome to, you know, write down that question or thumb the page, but I'm reading too. To like set the example of like we're not really chatting right now. I loved Emily, you mentioned like have snack where they can get it. I think that is key. If they're bothering you for snack, there's a snack box and for the next hour like there's three snacks and a cup of water or whatever yep. and it's where they can get it and it's their responsibility. And do know that you are going to trade the quiet time for a mess. Like no matter what you yep. do, when you return, it will be a mess. That is the price you pay. It's <laughs> so worth you it. Cannot, you, worth it. It's totally worth it. Worth it. And they're yeah. going to 10 minutes. I, oh, ahead, I, I learned, I just wanted to jump in and say, I learned the snack trick from, not trick, but the snack thing from Elizabeth. Like, oh, what? They should have access to food. That's crazy. But it really does work. <laughs> they will eat all of them. Yeah, for a once. while. For, it'll <laughs> yeah. take a while before they realize, like, oh, I don't have to eat them all. But yes, and you'll come back to a mess of wrappers, but it's totally worth it. I The other thing is, if they're talking to you all the time, which it sounds like it's happened, um, I take that to mean, like, they need that input. So I'm going to recommend an audiobook, a podcast, or some music that they love. Um, there's some great kids' podcasts. We are really loving Wow in the World, which I think is kind of a known... Um, people love that. And also one called Greeking Out, which is kind of a retelling of Greek myths. There, there are tons of amazing children's podcasts now that will buy you 45 minutes to an hour of the kid listening to other people talking. And that seems to fill that gap of like, I want this attention. You may have to listen to a few with them to get them kind of into it and wanting to listen to it. My kids like to listen to the same episode now over and over again, but it's like, who cares, right? They're going to listen to that in their space where they're playing. So they're now they're getting that auditory input that they would have been getting from you. They've got their snack that they can get. They've got a toy that you've set out, but they're not distracted by other toys. The other thing is looking at your kid's schedule and saying like, can I get quiet time in the morning? I have a child that does m the afternoon is just impossible. Mm. They, they have like spent all their energy. So I have to take that quiet time in the morning with them and just say like, this is, we're going to do our quiet block at 10 um, and then end with lunch when there's going to be a lot of like contact time. Cause we're all sitting together and do that. And then the afternoon is more full. I know traditionally, like because naps were in the afternoon, people feel like I should do my quiet time in the afternoon, but really look at your kid. Yep. Are they, do they play better in the morning when they're like, they're not, their battery is not spent. So they're more mm -hmm. capable of kind of entertaining themselves. It's definitely a journey. Like you're going to start out with 10 minutes and then maybe the next day you get 20 minutes and the next day, you know, the next week even. But I think you can get there. And I, I think Emily is totally right when she says you have to set the boundary. And when they come to see you and talk to you, you have to say, I love you so much and I can't wait to play with you, but I'm doing, I'm doing my work. 
Um, or you can say, you seem bored and I can't wait to see what you do with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just send them off. You know, I think you can't feed, if you're getting up and answering them every time when you said that you weren't going to. Yep. Um, and if they may need a symbol, I wear these like huge noise canceling headphones that I don't turn on because I need to hear what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But it is a visual symbol to them that I have asked for a little bit of time and that I am doing my own thing. And then I also have the, you know, drama of removing the headphone Mm -hmm. to listen to them. I think that makes sometimes by the time I've gotten them off, they're like, uh, never mind. I'm like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I should just hang a sign outside my office door that says boredom is a gift, right? Like that. Boredom is a gift. Yes. And once you say that five or six times, they don't want to hear it anymore. So they stop asking. I'm like, oh, you seem so bored. What a gift. (laughs) It is a gift. It's a gift they'll come to appreciate when they get older, for sure. Right? Don't you wish you could be bored? (laughs) I I know. (laughs) (laughs) We would love to have an update to see if any of these things um, worked. And I feel like we just have to add one more time by saying electronics are okay. I I want everyone to feel like they are, if all, if you want to try none of those things and just give them more iPad time, I'm here. (laughs) So, (laughs) so everyone else, if you have a question for us, email us at momanddad at slate.com or do what this listener did and post it on the Slate Parenting Facebook group. All right, on to recommendations. And Emily, we're going to start with you. So my recommendation is a movie, actually, Um, The Mitchells versus the Machines. It came out on Netflix, I think, this week. It's so funny and it's so good. And we have watched it as a family, like, probably three times. I feel like it's one of those few, like, movies that actually is incredibly appealing to both children and the adults. Um, And it, like... This is going to sound so goofy, but it made us feel closer as a family. <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's so it's so good and so beautifully done. And yeah, I I recommend it highly. Yay! My kids um they must have seen something about it on the trip because they've been asking about it, and I was like, well, I haven't che- I haven't read anything, so let me check into it. So now I can go give an enthusiastic yes when yeah. we watch it as a family. Yeah, yeah. six thumbs up. <laughs> Yay, uh, Jamila, what about you? So I don't know if in the time that I've been on this show that I've ever heard a host um, repeat another host's recommendation. And I wish I could wait until he was back or rather until we were both back on the same uh, podcast stage. But I have to echo Dan's endorsement of Girls 5 Eva on Peacock. I am obsessed with this show. I subscribe to another fucking streaming service just (laughs) to get more after watching one episode they know how to get you you get the free episode and then you're like i have to have more of it right now and i didn't realize i think there's only eight episodes available and we've seen six of them i'm like devastated so i think we have to like chill for a minute but it is so good um as dan recommended the last time he was on the show uh it's about a girl band from the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Of course, these are now women in their uh, mid-40s, and they've moved on into civilian life. After getting one of their records sampled by a big hip-hop band, they decide to get the band back together as you know, middle-aged women with very different lives than their brief run at pop stardom. And it's so good. I can't say it's appropriate for kids, but I do let Naima watch it because I'm trifling, and she loves it. And Renee uh, Goldsberry is the diva of the group. And oh my God, she is so like, 
She deserves every award imaginable. She's so funny. And I'll just leave you with this. Cease and desist, bitch. I'm just, <laughs> it is my prayer for America that cease and desist, bitch, is a household <laughs> phrase within the next month. If it's not, it's because we're not watching this gem of a show. This is, sounds so squarely up my daughter's alley. Like, thank you for this. Um, and I am totally fine with her watching, like, TV that isn't necessarily for kids. She's, like, obsessed with Shit's Creek, which is a very wholesome yes. show. Yes. Like, <laughs> Your girls need to get together. Yeah. Yes. I know. Next yeah. time from, my daughter's from Brooklyn. So yeah. this oh, all makes man. Sense. Yeah. And when we come back for this at some point, whenever we can come back, we can do a play date because she loves, she calls it Skits Creek. She came up with that on her own, which I thought was very sweet. I love that. Girls Five Eva has been on my like list of things to watch, so I think it's just it's got to go to the top. Maybe I'll recommend it next week. But please, <laughs> I'll give you more talk. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it. And I have more talking points. So for next week, when you're gonna do your recommendation, I'll send them yeah. to you because I just want to okay, make perfect. sure we get everyone on board with this. Show. <laughs> I'm here for it. Um, okay, I am recommending not just a helpful kids travel product <laughs> called the Peapod Plus. It is a portable travel bed. We used it when the kids were little. Now, when they were really little, we used the Phil and Ted's Traveler, which is like this um, crib that pulls together kind of like a tent, like it folds really small. Um, but this is, it folds like a sunshade, like how you kind of twist it and it's in, an, it's in a circle. And then it pops out to be this like floor bed that is actually really comfortable. But it fits kids up to like six years old. And so yeah, I, was gonna I say, which of your kids can get in a travel bit? So <laughs> Teddy, Teddy and um Oliver fit in it and wow. one night they fit in it together um, which is <laughs> weird and a little close but it kind of zips up and makes its own bed because uh, some places we're able to get like enough beds for everybody to be comfortable but some places we really aren't to all be in the same room and um, Teddy actually really loves because it's kind of his space and we brought that and he has his little pillow pal and a sleeping bag goes in there um, it's really great like he he legitimately at this temporary living asked to bring it out because I think he feels like it's a cozy safe space like he has a bed but would prefer this floor bed which you know we'll deal with that in therapy later but um it's really really nice like I am just surprised how long it's lasted and that you can fit an older kid and I know some of us with larger families like having an additional space for someone um to sleep is great and it's nice and small and has this the other thing I really like it has a pad but the pad attaches to the to the bottom of the bed so that like if you had a smaller a baby or something they can't get under the mattress the mattress is actually underneath the bed and like I said it it folds with one of those, you know, funky wrist twists to make an oval and packs up really small. Teddy like carries it in with his pillow pal and thinks he's so cool. But that's the Peapod Plus. I guess the Peapod is only for babies, but the Peapod Plus uh, toddlers fit into and Oliver gets in there. He's seven and there's still a little bit of room. So it's been great on our trip. Teddy's still sleeping in it. He may be sleeping in it forever because he loves it so much. He can zip it up and I think hide his iPad in there, honestly, is why he likes it. But Whatever. Like I said, electronics all day. We love it. That's it for our show. And so for one last time, if you have a question, you can email us at momanddad at slate.com or post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Just search for Slate Parenting. Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson. For Jay Lemieux and Emily Flake, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. <laughs>